we are talking about May miracles. Turn to the person next to you and say, May miracles. No, do it again. Say, May miracles. We believe in miracles in this church, and we started this series talking about our God is the God of miracles. They didn't stop with the New Testament church. They didn't stop with the printing of the Bible. That God is the God of miracles. For us, we need them more than ever before. I don't know about you, but I need miracles on a daily basis. And when we were uh, in this whole church process and believing God to do crazy things for us, I got to the place I was praying, Lord, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And he said, shut up. You need to pray. Give me miracles. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I will do that. And because I was, I was pointing my direction in the wrong, I was putting it back on me. Lord, give me what I need to do what I need to do for you. And he said, you need to be quiet and just trust me to do what only I can do. And there are things in all of our lives that if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Somebody say amen. I need a miracle, you need a miracle. And so last week we talked about the conduit for miracles is faith. Everybody say faith. faith. It's faith. Say it again, say faith. faith. And all, all throughout Scripture you find that Christianity, God's movement, every supernatural thing that happened is always attached to faith. And we talked about that key passage of Scripture. I'll remind it to you again, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Anyone who has faith in me, do you have faith in Jesus? Say yes. All right. He will do what I've been doing. So what was he doing? He was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. You just said you had faith in him, so you should be or get to do what he was doing. And he continued on. He will do even greater things than these. Come on, somebody. That means an uneducated person in this room could end up being president of the United States. Come on, miracles. Why not? Why not? God can do whatever he wants to do through us if we'll let him move in miracles. And we had three big takeaways last week. Number one, faith is the conduit. Number two, faith and unbelief war within each of us. And if you grasp that understanding, it'll set you free. Because you can have faith and you can have unbelief at the same time fighting against you, and that's why you feel like a crazy person. Because at one moment, you're, I know God's going to do it. And the next moment, oh, God, you quit on me. And the next moment, oh, God, I know you quit. Why? Because you have faith and unbelief. And so we taught you last week how to destroy your unbelief and build up your faith. We gave you some good principles on that. And the last piece we, we left with last week was, and that is this, miracle faith requires action. Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah built an ark. He didn't just by faith, he just said, build an ark, build an ark. Build. He went and did something. Requires action. By faith, Rahab hid the spies. You've got to do something. The reason why you've never prophesied to anybody because you never opened your mouth. The reason why you've never seen anybody healed because you never prayed for anybody. Takes action. And so today, we're going to move into the next phase of really seeing miraculous things happen in our life. And it comes to the place of authority. Everybody say authority. Knowing who we are in Christ and walking in the authority that God give, gave us. And when you leave here today, you're going to know that you need to be on a journey to figure out who you are in Christ. By the time you leave here today, you're going to be inspired and empowered to go forth and begin to stir and walk and move in the authority of God. But before we go any further, I wanted the congregation to know that miracles are not something that happens that TBN puts out there. Miracles are not to some people that live in another country. Miracles are happening right here in our midst. And people all over this congregation, you've been texting me, you've been telling me, I had a miracle just like you said. It's happened. Things are happening. The only problem is you all forgot to hashtag May Miracles, so I can't find them. You've been telling me, but I was like, hashtag, oh yeah, I forgot to do that. And so with that being said, I took it on my own, doggone it, to be able to broadcast a miracle for you. And so Linnell, who's in our church, we made her come by uh, uh, this week and video her miracle that happened just a couple weeks ago. And I want you to see it on the screen. Watch this. 
I'm Lonell Rose, and I've been at Church on the Hill for about five and a half years. Uh, I'm a runner, and I went out one morning for my usual morning run. Uh, at the end of about five miles, I went to stretch, and I stepped off the curb and turned my ankle. When I did, I felt, I felt and heard something snap in the top of my foot. I was immediately taken to the emergency room by a family member, and they, the doctor explained to me after they x-rayed me that um, I severed one of the tendons in the top of my foot, and as it ruptured, it pulled away from the bone, um, fracturing segments of the bone and taking fragments with it. And they showed me the picture of the bone floating in the x-ray um, and explained that I would need an MRI to see exactly how much damage was done to the soft tissue, but most likely would need surgery. Um, that night I had a friend in town that um, I believe has a very um, just fine-tuned gift of healing that she doesn't quite believe in yet, but I asked her to pray over me. As she laid hands over my foot and prayed, um, she stopped and asked me if I wanted to know what she saw, and I said, yes, of course, and she said, I saw um, a golden needle and I just saw this vision of it, and it was this bright gold, and it was like stitching. I was asking the Lord to stitch your foot back together. I asked her to pray for me again. And the second time that she prayed, I literally felt something just shift or roll on that side. It wasn't painful, but I felt something move. And my foot was beginning to get so heated and hot with her hands being uh, holding it and laying on it. As um, she finished, she said, you want to know I saw this time? And she, I said, yes. And she said, well, I saw what looked like glowing gold over here where I was asking, asking the Lord to stitch it. And I said, well, as you were praying, I was asking the Lord to stitch it back together so I wouldn't need surgery. She described something that looked like a quilt, something that had been sewn back together. Monday morning, I uh, got the results back from my MRI. And the doctor actually could not believe that what she was looking at was something that had nothing wrong with it. She said, I could not find the fracture in any of your bones and all three tendons on the top of your foot look perfect. None of them are torn, none of them are even slightly separated and nothing has been severed. I know that if God can do a miracle for me, he can do a miracle for you. That's right, come on, you can give Jesus a hand a little bit better now, woo! Linnell, you're a rock star. I'm so proud of that. You know, it, it, you might not could have heard her at the end. She said, if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. Do you believe that? Say yes. Amen. Let's start walking in the authority God has for us. As we jump in today, uh, our key scripture is found here in Luke chapter 10. Go ahead and open your Bibles to that. You can turn them on and go straight to scroll down to Luke 10, 19. If you're still using paper, God bless you. Stop killing trees. You can underline it if you would like. I'm just picking on you. Verse 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome some of the power of the enemy. A little bit of the power of the enemy. I have given you power, excuse me, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And a few things can harm you. Nothing will harm you. When I was first graduated Bible school, I, I went on staff at the mega church that I had grown up in, and uh, we got radically saved, we got saved, Church of Christ, they were so gracious to us, taught us so much about the word, we ended up in a non-denominational church a number of years later, and my parents got the bright idea, let's put him in a Christian school, that'll fix him, and uh, <clears throat> taught me how to be carnal, it was awesome, I had a great experience, and uh, I'm being silly, but, uh, but when I graduated that school, I went to Bible school, when I graduated Bible school, the church that I'd grown up with and had a Christian school, 
hired me back on to be the youth pastor. And so I came back there and was there for a couple of weeks. And they said, hey, Christian school's starting back up, and we need somebody to teach Bible, uh, a Bible class for all the high school. Uh, and they said, Adam, you're the newest hire. You got the job. It's like, great. And so I prepared, you know, and the first day I went in there, and there were a couple hundred, you know, high school students, and, and they were, had been kids that, you know, just a couple years earlier I'd been in school with. And so here I am trying to teach them Bible. And I'm telling you, they're not listening to a word I'm saying. I mean, they're throwing paper across the room. They're talking. They're laughing. They're not listening to a word. And I'm getting more and more frustrated. And you can tell when you don't have authority because when you don't have authority, you start yelling at things. Hey, y'all need, y'all need to sit yourself down. Y'all be quiet. Hey, sweet. And they just destroyed my class for two weeks. One day, the principal of the school just coming by, sticks his head in, and I don't have control of the class. And afterwards, he pulled me aside. He said, man, you don't have control of that class. I said, I know. He said, bro, you're not walking in authority. I said, I know. He said, what do you think the problem is? I said, I think the problem is you never stood me up in front of them and said that I have your authority. So if I tell them to be quiet, they're going to get licks if they don't be quiet. Remember, back in those days, you could get licks. Ooh, them was good days back in them days. Fire up your backside so you wouldn't fire up the rest of your eternity. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, all right, I'll do it. So he stood in front of all those students, and he said, let me tell you. And when he walked in the next class, they were all like, he said, let me tell you something. Adam McCain represents me. I put him in charge of this class. If he comes to me and says any of your names, your parents have already given me permission to give you licks. And I'm going to start with five. They all like, whoa. He said, so, Adam, I just want you to keep a list. You don't even have to call them out. Just keep teaching and just write their names down if they're acting a fool. And, uh, and then afterwards, bring me that list and I'll call them in the office. We'll give them licks. All right, guys, God bless you. And he walked out. It was amazing. I felt like I felt like the king of glory. Wom, 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 wom. Are you looking at me funny? No, sir. No, sir. I ain't looking at you funny. That's right. When Jesus says here in this passage in Luke chapter 10, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, he ain't talking about you got the power. He's talking about he's got the power. You don't represent you. You represent him. He, you are standing under his authority. He stepped up and said, devil... Anything they say represents me. Go ahead, you got this. And he walks off. And he went to heaven where he's interceding for us, going to make a place for us. But he's given us his authority. We're supposed to walk in his authority. We are his. Are you with me? Say yes. Look at Luke chapter 9 says in verse 1. It says, and when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Look at Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he, they said he taught as one who had authority, not as one of their teachers of the law. Jesus has all authority. All authority, Scripture says, has been placed under his feet. Every bit of it has been put under the feet of Jesus. Jesus is the head, and we are his body. So let me give you a mental picture of that. If Jesus is the head, imagine a mannequin sitting up here, and the head is Jesus, and the body part of that whole mannequin is us, the church, me and you. We are his body. And if all things have been put under his feet, all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness have been put under his feet, if we're his body, then guess whose feet it's been put under as well? Our feet. 
So I don't represent myself, I represent the Lord. I don't represent what I want, I represent what he wants. He says, hey body, move your arm. Okay, I move my arm. Hey body, kick that devil that's standing there. Pa-pow, and I kick that devil that's standing there. Because all things are under his feet. When you and I recognize and understand and grasp the authority by which we've been given to do life, you will begin to say to cancer cells, stop in Jesus' name. You'll begin to say, you know what? I'm not going to lose my salvation over this idiot that I work with. God, save him, transform him. But in the midst of it, change me, God, because you are in control. Because you begin to walk in authority. When you and I walk in authority, the things of this life will not destroy us, will not knock us down, will not hurt us. Because you and I can say, I know who I am in Christ. I know who I belong to. You know a person in authority walks a little different than everybody else. You know when a person of authority walks in the room, don't you? You're like, ooh, she's here. <laughs> hey. when, when the principal used to walk into our classroom, everything changed because they had authority. And today I want to teach you a little bit about people who have authority. Those who walk in spiritual authority, they've got a few different characteristics than many times you and I have. And so let's look at these so you and I can grow in them. Are you with me? Say yes. The first and foremost piece that I've realized in Scripture, that people who walk in authority, number one, they grasp who they are. They know who they are in Christ. Come on, you ought to say amen to that. Look at here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul is praying that the church of Ephesus would understand who they are in Christ. And he starts off in verse 18. You'll see it on the screens. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Look, I'm praying that you'll know what God has done in you. I'm praying that you'll understand the riches of his glorious inheritance for the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. You don't even understand the power you had, he's saying. I'm praying that you'll grasp this. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed... Some things, a few things, everybody say all. All things under his feet. And who am I? I'm his body. So they're under whose feet? My feet as well. All things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now listen, I want you to understand something. When you and I grasp who we are in Christ, then all of a sudden we'll begin to walk in authority. See, some of you still think you're the fat junior high kid. That's your identity. Some of you still, you're hoping that by being married, that'll help you get a new identity. Friend, let me tell you something. You can only get your identity from Jesus Christ. When my child, when Cohen was conceived and we knew we were going to have a son, I began to pray and I said, Lord, help me as the dad to begin to set his purpose in order. Help me, Lord, establish his identity by him knowing his purpose. And so the moment that Lord spoke to us, his name, Cohen, Cohen McCain, Cohen means of the priestly order, of the priestly order. So from the very moment he was conceived, I began praying over the womb. Cohen, you'll be a priest before the house of the Lord. You'll serve the people of God. From the moment that kid was alive, he had this empathy for people that I don't even possess. He actually likes people. It's amazing. He's got this thing about him that God's given him because from the time he was conceived, from the time he was born, and the time he could understand my speaking to him, I began to speak over him, you're a priest in the house of the Lord. You're going to stand before the Lord, and you're going to administer rightly and judge it and justice to the people of God. You're going to help the hurting come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I spoke that over him. And from the very beginning, I told him, you don't have to be a pastor like me. Whatever you do, you, you, know, you can be of the priestly order and be the greatest 
greatest athlete in the world. You can be the greatest, you can be the greatest educator and still have a priestly anointing on you. And I don't believe at all that we separate out ministry from, from those who don't do ministry. I believe we're all ministers and somebody's got to be the quarterback and somebody's got to administrate the workings of the temple. But all of us are ministers before the Lord our God. And so as a result of that, I began to speak that over him and speak that over him. I'll tell you something, it set forth his confidence. It put authority in his life. He didn't go mess around and have premarital sex and go do drugs and all that. Why? Not because I'm such a good pastor and such a good leader. Because he knows who he is. See, when you don't know who you are, then you got to try everything to try to figure out who you are. I don't know what I am, so I'm going to try this. Maybe that's me. Oh, that's not really me. I'm going to try this. Some of you have been from marriage to marriage trying to find out who you are. Listen to me. You get your identity from Jesus Christ. The one who created you knows why you exist. And if he knows why you exist, then he can help you accomplish what you were put on this planet to accomplish. But if you don't know that, and listen, I can't give that to you. I wish if I could, I would boom, 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 every one of you. you got to get it from Christ. As a young, insecure man who never met his natural father, who the first men that my mom dated, my earliest memories, is them beating on her and, 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 and drunken stupors and fights out in the yard. And literally, my earliest memory of my, I came up as a young man who had a, had a, had a chip on his shoulder against men in authority. And yet God was going to have me be a man of authority. So I couldn't be a man in authority until I learned to surrender to authority. And that didn't happen until I came to the place of knowing who I was in Christ. Until that time, I was always fighting. I was always daydreaming about what I'm going to do one day. I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player. I would. I'd be the only white kid in the gym. Like, come on, man, let's do this. Man, oh, my God, I got you. What? I, it was crazy. Until I got right with God and he began to speak destiny over me and my identity. And it caused me not to date who everybody else was dating. And caused me not to go where everybody else was going because I knew who I was in Christ. See, you cannot walk in authority if you don't know who you are. So your starting point for those people who really walk in authority, they know who they are in Christ. And that's your starting point. Here's the second thing that I recognize about men and women who walk in spiritual authority. And that is there's a peace that governs them. It's the deep truth in this, and I want you to hold on so you can catch it. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 23, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Tell the person next to you and say, other side. Let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. So they get in the boat and they start going to the other side. Jesus lays down just in the, kind of in the bow of the boat. He lays down and he goes fast asleep. In the midst of him being asleep, come on, some of you have read this before. I'll just kind of tell the story instead of reading the whole passage. In the midst of that, a storm comes up. And the disciples are looking at this guy. Jesus is fast asleep. And they're trying to get the water out of the thing. And they're rowing. And somebody's like, what are we going to die? We're going to die. And Jesus, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about in his sleep. And all of a sudden, they run over to him, they shake him, and they wake him up. Do you not care? We're going to drown. And Jesus looks at him, oh, you have little faith. And with all authority, stands up and says, peace, be still. Cricket, cricket. They made it to the other side, didn't they? Listen to me. Here's the truth. God's going to take you to the other side. Storms are going to come about in your life. But a person of peace calms the storm. 
a person without peace, the storm takes control over them. See, a person in authority has peace that calms the storms. A person with storms controlling them lose their peace. And storms now have authority over them. See, some of you are so under something else's authority. It's dictating how you feel, how you think, how you pray, how you swear. Because these storms have stolen your peace. The Bible says my people will be people of peace. And the peace of the Lord will guard your hearts and minds. Where does that come from? That comes from knowing who I am in Christ. I'm at peace. Can I, can I say, let me explain something to you. They're going to get to the other side. You're going you're gonna to get to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to get to the other side. There may be many storms in your life before you get there. But if you'll become a man or woman of peace, you just say, oh, it don't matter. We're going to get there. You say, well, we're sinking. Well, then we'll get there in a submarine. But we're going to get there because Jesus said we're going to the other side. Have you not read the end of the book? We win. We go to heaven. We're Christians. It doesn't matter if you lose an arm. doesn't matter if you die of cancer, even though you prayed against it. You're getting there. You will get to the other side. Just have peace in the middle of it. Say, oh, Jesus is Lord. He's so awesome. I'm so happy with God. I tell you right now, oh, that doesn't bother me. Oh, really? They're going to evict me? Oh, praise God. That means I got somewhere else to live. It's going to be amazing. And just walk in peace. Come on, somebody. And losing your peace is proof that you don't walk in authority. People in authority, they ain't worried about it. I'll tell you right now, do you think for a moment that, uh, uh, who owns the Mavericks, what's his name? Uh, you think Mark Cuban's worried that he just lost a million dollars? Oh, that's all right. I got plenty where that came from. People in authority, they're not worried about that. When you've got spiritual authority, there is nothing that can steal your peace. But when you allow the storms, come on, Jonathan, you, you and Tiger, come help me for a second. Come on up here. I'm going to use you guys to help me illustrate something. Jonathan, you get to be the devil. And Tiger, you're a little bit more bowed up, so you get to be Jesus. All right, so I'm going through my walk as a good, faithful, you know, Christian brother Adam kind of thing. And the enemy just starts agitating, like we all do. You wake up, your car won't start. And the enemy just starts agitating me and just messing with me. And it's like, man, leave me alone, devil. Lord, I'm just, I love you, Jesus. I'm, try, Lord, I'm just trying to keep my eyes on you. And you get to work, and they start messing with you. And you're like, leave me alone, devil. Jesus, if you could just help me. Jesus. And what most of us do is we take our eyes off Jesus, lose our peace. And what do we do? Stop it, devil! You get out of my way! And this is what we do. But if we'll just keep the peace of God, come on, little devils, and they're messing with me, Jesus, this is your problem. And let Jesus deal with it. No, take him down. No, I want you to take him down. Don't be all crucified. <laughs> WWF. All right, anyway, I know y'all going down. I thought we were going to get to have a good match here today. The people who, listen, if he's the head and I'm his body, then the attacks of the enemy is his problem. I'm in submission. I'm under authority. See, when the, we, we quoted this passage uh, last week in Matthew chapter 9, I think it was that range, where the, where the Roman centurion came to Jesus. He said, listen, I'm a man with authority and I'm a man under authority. I, I have a dying uh, 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 servant girl and I need you just to come heal her. You know what? Don't even come. Just speak the word because I understand authority. See, what he was saying was, I'm a man who knows who I am. I'm a Roman centurion. I'm not a healer guy. I don't even know God that well, but I know you got something that I need. 
I know who I am. He says, and not only that, but I understand all I got to do is say, I got 500 people who, t- who do everything I tell them to do when I tell them to do it. I have the ability to murder somebody and hide their body and no one will do anything to me because I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a man in authority, but I'm also a man under authority. And so in the middle of the night, when I'm snuggled up with my wife in bed, a knock comes to the door, and they say, the commander needs you. It doesn't matter what I think or how I feel. I jump up, and I go running because I'm one under authority. The reason why many of you don't walk in authority because you're not under authority. When you get under authority, then you'll have authority. And so what happens is I'm able to walk in the authority of Jesus Christ, not because I'm great, because he's great, because I'm just in submission. Yes, sir, what else you'd like to do? Yes, sir, what else you want to do? And because this Roman centurion understands, listen, I have all the weapons at my disposal that I need to do what I need to do and he understands and so he says to Jesus and Jesus says I have not seen such great faith I I can't this man understands authority see faith and authority are connected when you have when you walk in faith then you can walk in authority but if you don't know who you are in Christ and you can't walk in authority because you think that it's all about it's about how much you prayed it's about how much you did good it's about you tithe more than everybody else can't figure out why you're still not getting healed not getting blessed it's because you're not under authority when you get under authority Jesus what do we, what would you have me do today Lord how may I please thee today my Savior my Master my King how may I please you see life is easy and peaceful when you're not trying to live it outside of under the authority of Jesus Christ and, and that's why people who have real authority, they're full of peace. Bless God. God's going to do it. I got this. Dennis Lindsay, who is the CEO and president of the entire Christ for the Nations organization, who was my boss when I was the president of the Bible school or the director of the Bible school, he used to drive me insane. He's in his 60s. He's seen so many things happen. He, you, you, you understand, if 50 students didn't show up that semester, we were, that, that dropped our budget by $250,000. 50. So you can imagine as enrollment was starting, I'm like, oh God, oh gosh, oh God, oh God, oh God. And I'm like, what's the numbers? What's the numbers? What's the numbers? And I go, Dennis, I don't know. And like, Adam, it's going to be all right. God's got this. No, brother, you need to tighten up. Come on now. We need to do more advertising. We need to do this. We need to. Sh-. And like, oh, God always finds a way. He used to drive me insane. He used to tick me off. I used to get mad at him. I tell him, I'm so mad at you right now. He's like, why? I said, because you. You're not doing nothing. Let's see, he had come to a place of peace so he could walk in authority. I was controlled by the storm, so the storm had authority over me. You see what I'm saying? And when you and I walk in peace, then what we'll have is all the things that a person of authority can walk in. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on, are you sure? Say yes. All right, here's a third thing people who walk in spiritual authority have, and that is they have embraced the mission. They've embraced the mission. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It says he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. What happened was, as they began to knock on doors, they weren't going in their own strength. They had, they had embraced the mission that Jesus gave them. Hey, listen, I lay my hands on you. Go in my authority. Go, heal the sick, cast out devils. So they showed up. Hey, I'm here on behalf of Jesus Christ. I'm here, here to pray for you, to see you healed, and to, and to see you delivered. And so it began to happen. Boom, boom, boom. It started happening. So when they come back to report, there's 72 of them. When they come back, oh, excuse me, that's the 12. Uh, but when they come back, there's another time with the 72, the key verse we read. When they come back, all these supernatural things have happened. And Jesus says, listen, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Listen, friend, rejoice that you're under me. 
Rejoice that, that I've given you something. Rejoice that you understand the mission. Can I explain something to you? When you and I are living our own life for our own desires, you're not on this planet to be a good engineer. You're on this planet as a believer to bring heaven to earth. You're on this, there's a mission, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28. We call it the Great Commission for every, each and every one of us as believers. We're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything for which he's commanded. So when you and I are outside of the mission, then we can't walk in the authority. When I'm in the mission, then that means I have been commissioned. I've been commissioned by Jesus. So when I stand before you to pray for you, it's not in my own strength. I'm commissioned by Jesus to lay hands on you. It's his business, not my business. I am just simply a conduit. So it's not me that's going to heal you. It's not me that's going to fix you. It's Jesus. I've just simply been commissioned, and I represent him, and I want to represent him the best way I can, and I want to be a pure vessel. But when people don't know the mission, then they're living their life just to try to be, get through the day, just try to pay the bills, just try to not fight, just try to raise their kids. Friend, you've missed it. When you know the mission, when you're living for the mission, then what happens is you begin to walk in the authority that the mission brings to you. And so when the Roman centurion can walk down the street, he represents the entire Roman government. And so he's been commissioned as a centurion so he can do what he wants to do within the power that he's been given. You have power, but you don't know it because you're not involved in the mission. When you embrace the mission, then you have the commission. And then what transpires is you have access to all the weaponry at your disposal. And that's where the Bible says, for we wrestle not, Ephesians says, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And that we can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. You can't say that if you're not a part of the mission. You're representing yourself. And so when he's saying that, it's because we are in line with the head and we can say, hey, listen, sickness, you got to go. Because my Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. See, if you know what the mission is, according to Scripture, there's a couple key places. I quoted you Matthew chapter 28, but also the passages that say that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy, and we are to take up that same mantle and walk it. Cancer is the work of an enemy, and we've been commissioned to run that out just like our Jesus did. He said he came to bring life and life more abundantly. So we have taken up that mantle, that mission, to do the same. And so we shouldn't be creating turmoil everywhere we go. We should be bringing life everywhere we go. When the authority walks in the room, it sets things in order. When you and I walk into the room, every demon in hell ought to go, ah! People, people at work who have all these issues, are, man, I'm getting nervous when I'm around you, but there's such life, I don't know. Joy, I don't know. Oh, man, I got to get away from you. I'm so depressed. I just want to die. And then they come back to you. Why are you so happy? Why you got so much peace? Because I've been given life for you. So that I can bring you into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And listen to me. When you and I take on the mission, we'll walk in the commission and stand in the authority. All right, let's keep going because we've got to move quickly. You still there? Say yes. All right, number four. And that is this. They engage the situation. People who walk in spiritual authority engage the situation. I love this. The Bible says it like this. Go. Go. It doesn't say stay. Watch. Learn. It says go and make disciples. Go. They engage the situation. We have something uh, psychologists call the bystander effect. Anybody ever heard that term? 
The bystander effect. What that is is someone will have a tragedy or a difficulty in front of a group of people, and everyone will just stand around and no one will do anything because it's the bystander effect. Everyone thinks, well, I'm not the person to do it. Surely somebody else here is going to do it. It's called the bystander effect, and uh, it's very common. Uh, pastor Chris, our executive pastor, uh, a couple months ago, he was uh, driving down, the, uh, pulling out of a, a shopping center and, and going the opposite direction on a boulevard. And this man was coming this way in a truck. And there was a, he said there was a stream of fire uh, under his truck coming about 30 feet out the back of his truck, just on fire. And there was a leak of gasoline coming out of his engine. And, and, uh, and everybody's just kind of driving. No one's seeing it. So PC said he jerks his utility vehicle around, jumps the median, gets up on the side. The guy's honking. The guy's like, what, what? Pastor Chris said he jumps out. The guy stops his truck. He jumps out. He's banging on the window. Get out, get out. He's like, what? By this time, the fire has engulfed the, the front of the truck. It's coming out from under the engine. The guy is seconds away from blowing up his truck and killing himself. And Pastor Chris throws open the door and says, get out. And he pulls him out. And just as he does, the guy turns the key off, which keeps the, 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 uh, the fuel pump from pumping, turns it all off, and all of a sudden it stops and saves the guy's life. Everybody else is like, hey. See, let me explain something. Those in authority, they get involved. They, listen, that your neighbor is going to burn and go to hell is you being a part of the bystander effect instead of you walking in the authority which God gave you. Listen, that's the authority God's given you to call forth your neighbors to serve the Lord their God. To come forth and say, look, Jesus, I thank you right now that no devil in hell is going to keep their eyes blinded. For you and I to begin to walk in the authority that God's given us, we got to get involved. Let me give you a couple things to start growing in your authority. And we got to do these quick so I can get you out of here. So the last one was engage. Now, how do I develop my authority in God? And here's some pieces I would help you with. Because all of us need to develop our authority in God. I don't think you're just going to walk up tomorrow, sir, and walk in the house and say, Bless God, I'm the spiritual head of this household. I haven't ever prayed, but we're going to now because I'm the man. Uh, all right, here's how we're going to do this. Our Father, which art in heaven, huh? praise you. Do you all feel that? No, it ain't working. All right, okay. I don't think you can just all of a sudden have it. I think you have to grow in it. And I think you have to spiritual authority. I don't think you're just going to tell the devil to run because you showed up. I think what you have to do is start learning to walk in your authority. So let me give you a couple thoughts on how to increase your authority or how to build your authority. Number one is you need to speak the word of God every day. You speak the word of God. See, what you've been doing is you've been speaking everything else but the word of God. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Come on, say it. In the power of the tongue. You need to stop talking about how bad your coworkers are and start talking about how great God is. Start speaking his word. You need to stop talking about how bad your finances are and start saying, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I don't even know if I believe it, but I'm saying it over and over again until his word becomes life. See, we all need to speak the word of God over the situations in which we live. Listen, that, that's why we have leaders. Okay? Why? Because they stand out there, you can do it, you can do it, go! Ah! And he goes, like, yeah, we're going to do it now. Why do we have cheerleaders? It's not because they're all hot and beautified and all that. It's because something happened. That's why they get in the huddles. All these professional football players. Have you seen? Uh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, what are y'all doing? Like grown men making millions of dollars a year. And they're like, come on. They, why? Because they're speaking life. We can do this. Imagine if you speak his word, which is how he created the world, by the way. If you begin to speak that. You talk about start walking in authority. No, 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 no. Jesus said, no, sir, I don't care if you say, 
Satan takes him out on, on, on a hill and says, listen, I will get, all authority has been given me over all the nations of the world. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. And Jesus says, uh-uh, that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says, worship the Lord our God and worship him only. He spoke the word. You keep speaking the death over your situation instead of speaking the word over your situation. That's why you don't walk in authority. If you speak with, um, he's the head, what would Jesus say about it? That's what we need to be speaking. If Jesus was standing here, what would you be saying? Because you are my head and I'm your body. So, Lord, what, what do you have to say about this? Start speaking that. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, I'm going to make you stronger in Jesus' name. Number two, the prayer of consecration. Every morning, all, every night before you go to bed, a prayer of consecration. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brother, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Psalms 139, 23. Search me, O God. David's like, search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me. And lead me into the way everlasting. What I'm talking about is each and every day you need to wake up and say, God, my life is your life. Lord, I consecrate myself to you. Lord, I may, I, 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 may, I may go to the mechanic shop and I may work there every day, but Lord, my mission is to please you and to bring your works to this earth and push back the gates of hell as we bring forth the kingdom of God. And so, God, I consecrate, I, Lord, I, Lord, I just consecrate. If there's anything wicked in me, God, I just, I just, I don't want it, Lord, I just want you. Listen, friend, if you start doing that, you start walking in authority because the key piece to keeping you from walking in authority is that you're ashamed that you're not walking in authority. You're like, well, I should pray more. I should be a better person. Like, no. The McCain kids are my kids. I don't love them more or less based on how much they do or don't do, but y'all better do your chores. They're my kids. You belong to Jesus. So you're his. So you got the ring. You got the whole, the whole thing, man. Walk in your authority. Act like your daddy owns the cattle of a thousand hills. We had a missionary one time. He, he, didn't, he needed a truck, and he didn't have any money. He was at, up in the mountains of Mexico, reaching unreached people group, an Indian tribe that was up there. He was always, and he had to climb these big mountains with these big four-wheel drive trucks, and nothing else would get up there, and his had broke down. And so he came across the border into, uh, you know, one of those Harlingen or one of those border towns right there in Texas, went to the dealership. He said, hey, I want the best truck you got. Show me what you got. And he showed him, I think, a big 350-something, and he's looking. And he said, yeah, that's the one I want. He said, uh, all right, well, come on in here. Let's do the paperwork. He said, yeah, let's do that. Sit down, and guy starts working the paperwork. He said, now, how much you want to put down on it? He said, oh, I don't have any money. You don't have any money? So what are you doing here? He goes, oh, no, do you know who my daddy is? The guy said, uh, no. He said, sir, my daddy owns all the cattle in Texas, even around the world. My daddy deals in fine, fine, precious stones, diamonds, gold and when i come back here in two weeks i want that truck sitting out there washed and ready to go because my daddy's gonna pay for it he was like okay and so he said he said man i don't know who this guy's dad is but he's the richest guy on the planet (laughs) and the missionary started praying and wouldn't you know some group of wealthy and business people heard about him needing a truck and they wrote him a check for 50 grand to pay for the whole thing. He walks in two weeks later. Do you have my truck ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, all right, here's the money. They're like, oh, my goodness. He wrote a check for it. They couldn't believe it. They had anybody write a check. They thought, he was gonna, they thought he was just going to you know, finance or something. And they said, listen, for two weeks, this is all we've been talking about. We got to know who's your dad. He said, get everybody in this room, I want to tell you. That's David Hogan, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. When he told me that story, I'm like... 
<laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. And the last and final piece on how to develop your God-given authority is you need to walk in love. Jesus said it like this, a new commandment I give, that you love one another. That you walk in love. Do you understand something? Love is the bubbling brook from which authority really can prosper from. We love one another. Grew up in the Church of Christ, and every service on Sunday before we left, we'd all sing. Yes, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Can I tell you something? The world already has enough anger, hate, confusion. You know what gives us authority? So when you and I, we're different than everybody else. And Jesus loved us all the way to the point of the cross. He said, you can't take my life from me. Freely I give it. Because I love you. When you and I walk in love, I want to give you a quick last piece of revelation as we go to close. Jesus tells this parable about the prodigal son. It's about the love of the father. It's all about the love of the father and a rebellious son. And a passive son. A bitter son. And many times we compare that to the person who knew Jesus and went away. And the person who stayed in church their whole life but never caught the heart of God. To chase after the son who left. And the Bible says that the son comes. If you haven't heard the prodigal son story, Jesus tells it like this. He says, the prodigal son comes to the father. And he says, give me what is due me. I know you're not dead yet, but I want you to sell off whatever you got to sell off. Because I want my money now. I don't want to wait till you're old. I want my inheritance now. I want to start my life now. And the father does what he has to do and gives it to him. And the Bible says that that young man goes off and he lives in wild, crazy, sinful lifestyle. With women and all kinds of different, and he, and, 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 and he blew all the money in a short amount of time. And so there was a famine in the land, so he had no place to, to get a job. And so he ended up working for a pig farmer. And, all, and his pay was eating the food that they gave, the slop that they gave the pigs. Just so he could survive in the midst of this famine. And one day as he's eating the slop, he thinks, what am I doing? It'd be better at my father's house. maybe I could just become a servant and go to my father's house. He'd at least treat me better than this. So he packs it up and he goes to his father's house. And the Bible says that the dad stood in love, stood at the end of the driveway, literally watching for him is how I picture it. And when he sees him, after however many months or years, he goes running, he meets, he throws his arm around him. And the son's verbiage had changed. When he was haughty and when he was insecure, he said, give me what's mine. But now that the world has chewed him up and spit him out, he says it like this. Make me one of your servants. See, people who are selfish and selfish ambition, even in our prayers, we begin to say, God, give me what's mine. Give me what, you, what I'm supposed to get. But when you go through maturity and the broken process, you begin to pray like this, Lord, make me who I need to become. Lord, what do I got to do to love these people who drive me insane? Make me into that person. Lord, I don't need more riches. I don't need more prosperity. Lord, I need you to make me into a man that could even be able to handle what you want to give me. Because I'm not right. And see, some of you are praying, I don't want to be single anymore. Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me, give me a woman. Give me. Why? Why are you praying that way? When you get them, you're just going to mess it up because you haven't become who you need to become so that you can have a beautiful marriage before the Lord. Some of you want all this money. You want this money. Lord, give me money. Give me that. I need this. Lord, why? You can't handle a little bit you got now. 
Your prayer needs to change and say, Lord, make me. I'll just be one of your servants. Lord, just make me one of the servants in your house. Lord, I don't need to be on that stage singing. I don't need to prove. I don't need to be the one who's leading all this. Lord, just make me into the man or woman of God you're trying to make me into. And Lord, whatever it takes, I just, just make me one of those. And the Bible says this, that the father took the ring, the ring of authority, put it on his finger, put the, put the ownership of, of being his son, put his cloak around him, and he walked into the house the same way he left as far as authority goes. I want you to understand something. When you and I love the father with all of our heart and love what he loves, we will walk in his authority. The ring will be put on our finger and we'll be able to command. But what needs to happen is we need to be broken of the selfishness so that we can reign and rule in all goodness and justice and servanthood. Jamie began to love our city before I ever even cared about Cedar Hill. I was traveling the world. I just want to change the world. I'm preaching in big conferences, and I would come home after preaching for a week or so, and she'd be in there crying, oh, God, save Cedar Hill. I'm like, Cedar Hill? Ain't but 48,000 people here. Lord, give me the world! You gotta have some faith, woman. She, oh God, Cedar Hill. Oh God, she would just love. She'd get out there. I'm like, where you been? Oh, I've been bringing food to the firemen. To the firemen, all they do is sit around and eat. What are you doing? And I'm helping the teachers, and, and I got involved here. I'm like, God, I need something to eat. She loved this city, and let me tell you something. Because she loved it, guess where she's at now? Position of authority. See, you shouldn't have authority if you don't love what you have authority over. You don't need authority until you're broken enough to love them unconditionally. And it's in that love that Jesus was promoted to the name that's above every name. Not despising the shame of the cross. He took it on, I'll be humiliated. In love, I'll be humiliated. You don't walk in authority, probably because you don't love. When you'll love unconditionally, God will promote you to a place of authority. With that, stand with me all across the room.